0: xv planis is part of the green mushroom podcast network welcome to xv planis greetings friends and fiends and welcome back to xv planis the podcast where we don't just talk about the paranormal we put boots on the ground and pursue it in the field Transmitting from the Black Lodge, as always, I am your host, Flood, and as always, I am very excited to be back here on the mic to dive further into the unknown, the enigmatic, and the just plain weird with you all. Last episode, I hinted that we'd be returning to discuss our very first paranormal investigation with Sonny. That episode is going to come next, but I had to rearrange the schedule a little bit to accommodate tonight's guests, because the subject at hand is a little more time-sensitive. We're going to get to that conversation here in just a moment, but before I get to that, I have a few things I want to touch on. First and foremost, I want to tell you how absolutely amazing Monster Fest in Canton, Ohio was. Monster Fest took place over the weekend of June 3rd and was organized by Seth Breedlove of Small Town Monsters fame. This was a very small and intimate convention that brought out some of my favorite people in the fields of cryptozoology and the paranormal dozens of brilliant and creative artists, a whole slew of fellow podcasters and filmmakers, and over 700 fellow weirdos under one roof. Seth was kind enough to premiere his new film, On the Trail of Bigfoot, Land of the Missing, which was fantastic, by the way. And on top of that, my friend and colleague, Aaron Deese, got to premiere his film, The Dogman Triangle, Werewolves in the Lone Star State, a documentary to accompany his book, The Texas Dogman Triangle. Aaron is one of the first few fellow creators I connected with on this journey of XV Planus. I have a lot of love for the guy, so be sure to check out in the show notes for links to his books, as well as his podcast, Hey Strangeness. Or, as I put it to him in Canton, Hey Strangeness. Monsterfest also offered a considerable amount of lectures from the likes of Amy Vu, the legendary Stan Gordon, and the unstoppable Micah Hanks, as well as live podcast recordings from Bigfoot Society, Jim Harold, and Astonishing Legends. When the festivities weren't in full swing, we had the opportunity to hang out with friends both old and new. Thank you, Megan, for convincing me to go to this. Massive thanks to Seth Breedlove for making it happen. And in no particular order, much love to Scott and Forrest from Astonishing Legends, Rich Haddam, Micah Hanks, Ashley from On Wednesdays We Talk Weird, Aaron from Hey Strangeness, Jill and Roger, who we will be speaking with tonight, and all of the new friends I made. And that's a list way too long to go over here. In short, this festival was an absolute blast. I can't wait for next year's and hell, who knows, maybe I'll even set myself up with a booth next time, eh? Um, also, <clears throat> Gold Strike Force team, go! If you get it, you get it. Next up I want to briefly touch on the bombshell that was dropped a couple of weeks ago. Former US Air Force and intelligence officer David Grush has come forward as a UFO whistleblower claiming that the United States has been recovering downed or crashed vehicles of a non-human origin for nearly 80 years, and some of those included bodies of the craft's occupants. While we have heard these and similar claims for decades, there seems to be a sea change happening right now. Apparently, Mr. Gersh's testimony is going to be the first of many that will be coming to the forefront over the remainder of this year. I'm going to have a lot to say about this in the upcoming months, but for the sake of not getting lost in this particular rabbit hole right now, there's just a few elements to Mr. Gersh's story that I want to point out. First, the shift in terminology from extraterrestrials to non-human intelligences is important. As more information comes out, it is becoming more and more likely that we could be dealing with some form of highly advanced artificial intelligence with exotic origins, as well as organic beings. These two might not necessarily be connected, implying that we may have more than one non-human intelligence piloting these crafts. Second, the origin of these non-human intelligences might be considerably stranger than just aliens or artificial intelligence. During his interview with Ross Colehart, David Grush seemingly implied that some of the phenomenon we are observing could potentially be multi-dimensional entities. Let's let that sink in for a moment, shall we? Now, I know there are a lot of skeptics out there that are listening to this and rolling their eyes. And you know what? I understand. You all want proof to be laid in your lap so you can see it, touch it and confirm it. I do too. Very much so. However, I implore you to be patient. Disclosure is and has been a long game. What is happening now is a brilliant yet risky chess move to force our own government into the corner. We are collectively working to put them in a position where they will have no choice at all but to come clean with the people. What I can say, based on the research that I have done and the very few insider connections I have been lucky enough to make, is that we are rounding the corner, and things are going to heat up very fast from here on out. Believe it or not, there is a schedule to the truth. Or maybe it's better to refer to it as a timer. A countdown. That clock runs out in 2027. World leaders have about four years left to figure out how to tell us the truth without causing total chaos. If they can't do it by then, the phenomena will reveal itself to humanity however it sees fit. Now, go ahead. Call me crazy for now. But mark my words, our world is going to change dramatically in 2027 or sooner. Okay, that's enough of that for this episode. But as I said, you can expect to hear a lot more coverage on this subject moving forward. For those of you who have not read the original article at thedebrief.org or seen David Grouch's interview on NewsNation, links for both of those are in the show notes. I encourage you to review them both and develop your own conclusions. We'll return to our main subject for this episode after this brief message from our friends and colleagues over at the Green Mushroom Podcast Network.
1: Epic history.
2: Like the Greeks are like on the beach, they're like doing burpees or something. (laughs) The Persians sail up, and they've got like they've got like little spears and pomegranates and stuff, and they're like, hey, wanna be part of our cool empire?
0: In-depth commentary. Cutting edge expert drunken analysis. <laughs> two people that you don't know anything about. It's ad hoc history with Asher and Luxa,
1: siblings extraordinaire.
2: Hey, just real quick like, if you were emperor, would you choose me as second emperor?
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Next question Learning.
1: It's not pretty. It's not nice, and if you want to talk about justification for war and all these things, but when you get to how the sausage is actually made, this is it. It's Ad Hoc History.
2: It's not the history podcast you wanted. It's the history podcast you deserve.
0: Alrighty, let's get on to the meat and potatoes of this episode, yeah? Tonight, we're going to be speaking with Jill Weaver and Roger Pingleton about a new app they are developing that could potentially be a game-changer for the paranormal investigation community. Before we get to that interview, let's take a few minutes to discuss EVPs and investigation equipment. This is taken from ye old Wikipedia. Electronic voice phenomena, or EVP, are sounds found on electronic recordings that are interpreted as spirit voices. EVPs are typically brief, usually the length of a word or a short phrase. Now Later this year, I'll be doing a multi-part series on the history and evolution of EVPs, but we're going to keep it short here for the sake of flow. Since the idea of EVPs was popularized in the 1970s, parapsychologists and paranormal investigators have used all sorts of equipment to capture this audio phenomenon, ranging anywhere from wax cylinders, reel-to-reel tape, and digital recording devices. I personally have witnessed this through digital and analog devices that I have used on investigations. Each recording device has its own strengths and weaknesses, but there are a few particular devices that have gained recognition over the years. One of these devices, probably one of the most well-known, is the infamous Panasonic dr 60 a small handheld digital recording device created in the mid-90s. When Panasonic released this product, it was met with customer complaints right off the bat, claiming the recorder was picking up sounds and voices that were not coming from the operator of the device. Panasonic discontinued the product shortly after its launch due to these complaints. Anyone who has been pursuing the paranormal is very familiar with the dr 60 Used on pretty much every ghost hunting show you can think of, it has become the holy grail of EVP devices. Unfortunately, since Panasonic discontinued it, its popularity among the investigators turned into a horrid price-gouging exercise for individuals searching for this particular digital recorder. Upon its release, it went for approximately $20, And upon writing this passage, I am looking at one on eBay right now that's going for about four grand. We will get into the history of the DR60 in full once we get back to our multi part series on EVPs, but for now, that's about all you need to know. So, why am I talking about this particular ancient piece of hardware? Well, it's because maybe, just maybe, we won't have to go four grand in the hole to have access to the technology that made this device so popular. And so at this point, it is my great pleasure to welcome back Jill Weaver to the show. And for the first time, welcome Roger Pingleton to XV Planus to discuss the amazing app that they are developing, the ER-70. All right, friends and fiends. It is my great pleasure to welcome back to the show once again, Jill Weaver. Always a pleasure to have you on. And for the very first time, we have Roger Pingleton joining us. Roger, thank you so much for joining.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So I've kind of been mentioning a little bit uh, on social media about what this conversation is going to be about. Uh, But I'm really excited to dive into this because you two have been hard at work for the last few years developing something that I think could be a game changer for paranormal investigators. And without me trying to fumble over this, I would like you to, to uh, explain exactly what you've done here, or at least as much as you can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you for alluding to that. Yeah, this has been um, in the works for at least, I think, about two and a half years. Um, I think this is how Roger used his uh, COVID time. Um, He played around with things, kind of bounced some ideas off of me. And then uh, I signed an NDA. And then we just really got into it really deep about uh, two and a half years ago. So it's Roger's baby. I'm going to let him talk about his baby. Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, there is a certain uh, recorder, uh, digital recorder created in the 1990s that everyone is um, familiar with. And it's very notorious for capturing EVPs. And um, we were asked about um, how it actually worked. And at the time, I did not know how it worked. Um, if you want to know which uh, recorder, about you can see the astonishing legends episodes with the Sally House. Uh, and I'm sure, John, you're going to mention it by name, but um anyway we were asked how it worked and i didn't know at the time and we had several questions about that and i'm like darn it you know i can't just let that question go unanswered so i dug into it really really deep i did a deep deep dive i found some things on it and i thought wait not only can I know, not, not only do I now know how it works, but I can actually create an app that mimics how it works as well. And, you know, during during it all, I was skeptical as whether it would work the same way, but uh, I don't want to jump jump too far ahead, but yeah, anyway that that's the story. That's the origin story right there. And uh,
0: so,
1: um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Jill.
2: Oh, I was going to give a little background on Roger because um, he's new to the show. I mean, I've, you know, I've been on your show a few times. Um, so Roger and I go way back. He was the first, well, he was the second member on my paranormal team. He was our first IT manager and I met Roger. I had my team and I was starting to, you know, just kind of poke into everything spooky. And uh, he contacted me because he was living in a haunted house. And we ended up all meeting at a restaurant. And the first thing that he started, you know, just so excited to be able to talk to somebody about, you know, spooky things is it all is when you first run into your first paranormal investigator, and you have all these stories that you know, you've been hanging on to. And um, and being the geek that he is, he of course brought his laptop and his headphones, and we sat there and proceeded to listen to all these EVPs that he had recorded in his house. Which later we followed up with an investigation, and I did capture a class A EVP in his stepdaughter's closet. So, um, so the, I mean this you know we're we're talking. I think that was in like 2011. So this whole, this whole fascination with EVPs goes way back. Um, Roger is a software engineer. Um, at the time, he worked for uh, the University of Indiana. Um, he currently is a federal contract employee, and he is an iOS developer. So it was kind of amazing really to kind of meet someone who had sort of the geeky, techie kind of background that um, was sort of I was sort of lacking, but that really, um, supplemented, uh, for, for the team. And then ever since then, um, you know, Roger and I have always had, you know, really shared interests in trying to bring more of a scientific or certainly a more technological aspect to ghost hunting, um, you know he's invented several other pieces of equipment and things that we can talk about at another time. So I just that's 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 the origin story of um of Roger and I and this is a project that has really come full circle cuz we started out listening to EVP's when we were introduced to someone using this particular recorder we was like oh my gosh it's it's the holy grail of of a way to finally capture this phenomena and now the fact that I can have this amazing device on my iPhone was just, I, I think it's a, ga- a game changer. I really feel like this is our gift to the paranormal community.
1: Right. And, and, you know, this, this piece of equipment has been discontinued. It was released in the nineties. So on eBay, it goes for $3,800. So, you know, if we we plan to charge ten dollars for the iOS app.
0: Um, that's a far cry from thirty eight hundred dollars. I sure. think I can swing ten bucks. I, I definitely can swing yeah. ten bucks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you won't have to worry about it wearing out or you know dropping it or losing it or you know right. or any of the things that befall pieces of equipment. We we know more people that have lost equipment at locations.
0: Uh, even I'm guilty of that. I think uh, I still have some rim pods buried in Waverly Hills somewhere. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Waverly Hills, I think. I, I, yeah,
2: it's a it, it's a black hole. One of our friends lost his digital recorder there. That's never shown up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I think they have a closet of stuff that they probably find.
0: <laughs> it kind of makes you wonder. Is it's like we're going to take this? Maybe they'll come back. And then we'll we'll just <laughs> place it right behind them when they're not looking. At this point, I've had so many yeah. trickster elements, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the place for tr- trickster elements, too. You know, well, I think uh, that and whispers, I think there's a huge trickster ele- element to Whisper's estate. Um, you know, with people th- having things put in their pockets and things like that.
0: I am eager to go back and try Whispers again. Um I did not get any of the usual stuff that people report at Whispers myself, but what I did get was otherworldly and I'm very grateful for it. But uh I still want to experience apportation. Go ahead, steal my wallet. I don't care. Just <laughs>
1: <laughs> Be careful what you wish for.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You steal my wallet, you're scraping the bottom of a very broke barrel, so it wouldn't really matter anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: it's, it's when you see. Yeah, it'll happen when you get a little um, too comfortable with it. That's right. when it got me. Yeah. When I was completely naive. Oh, the ice cream truck.
0: Is that <laughs> what that <laughs> was? Heard, and it, it I thought I heard in that. My
2: neighborhood, and it actually just went down around my my. Buddies, <laughs> like, I get to hear it twice.
0: Seriously, thank God, because every time you and I talk on on Zoom, Jill, something weird happens. And when I started hearing that those chimes in the background, I'm like, okay. Are, are, are we about to get abducted? What's going on here? It's... <laughs> no, yeah, I, I,
2: I've it's never that, had a gun in my neighborhood before. <laughs>
1: I've, I've, I've been talking to Jill twice with my, and I'm hoping it doesn't happen now, and with my, my AirPods in, and my left one on two different occasions has been possessed. It's like there's been this <laughs> kind of voice in my left ear. It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying.
0: Well, at least you can just blame it on your AirPods rather than it being, you know, the devil on your left shoulder and the angel on the right. So you know, (laughs) could be. (laughs) Maybe it is trying
1: to trying to talk. (laughs) Those are noise
2: canceling. By the way, you should not be able to hear any anything outside of them.
1: Yeah, that would. But do they noise cancel? Hear it.
0: that is a very good question
2: apparently they are immune
0: i you know and if
1: any any of your listeners have similar haunted airpods devices i want
0: to oh yeah absolutely this is just me I'm, i'm sure i've had plenty of people listening with with strange things happening with their electronics reach out guys tell us what you got so so getting back to uh the app, like currently this is it's it's under beta testing, and you guys just a couple of days ago kicked off the Kickstarter for this, right? Okay, fantastic. Let's talk about that for a minute because I, I want to get that info out there to everyone. So
1: um there are some key, key things about the app. And I know we've let you in on the beta testing too, John, and you'll notice that when you um finish recording it has to process for a while and uh that's because it kind of defers some of the processing um we we hope to raise some money to kind of give it some polish you know things like that try and do that in real time and we also hoped to raise some money to create a file format so that when you send someone uh, a file to play, they can play it if they don't have the app just fine. If they do have the app, all of the tags will go along with it and their location. So that's going to be a tricky little thing. But um, it's more to help the polish of, of the app more than anything. Um, so that's kind of why we launched it. So,
2: um, yeah, we just, we just launched uh, Tuesday night, um, kickstarters, if you're not familiar with that, uh, fundraising platform, uh, people do pledge, they do pledge support in a certain amount and there are different reward tiers. And then that pledge is only fulfilled if we re- reach our threshold and our threshold is $25,000. So as soon as we reach that twenty five thousand dollars, anybody who has pledged, they will get whatever um, whatever the reward was at that different level. And uh, we'll give you links. I think it's probably um, best if people could actually go and see for themselves what rewards are available there, um, what they'll get with um, with their pledged support. And the particular thing about Kickstarter is these are not donations. Um, you know, you actually get a physical reward for doing this. If we fall short of the twenty five thousand, then then it's a no starter. Then that's it. That's the end of the Kickstarter, and uh, no one's pledges will be withdrawn.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. And okay. another thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we had uh, thought about when we did this, and originally even planned, was that we would do the kickstarter you know the original 25,000 to put into the iOS app because it is iOS only at this point and then do a stretch goal of, of 100,000 and put all of that money into getting a uh, an android version going but then at the last minute i realized well they you know they could fall short of the stretch goal and you know the you can have all of these android users pledging and the only reason they're pledging is for the android version and then fall short of the stretch goal and then they're kind of out everything because they don't they don't have an apple device and you know so we may end up doing another kickstarter just for android we we do get uh, a lot of people asking for um, a Android version of Spirit Storybox, which is the other app that we were responsible for. And uh, I feel for those people but um, Spirit Storybox, even though it's been a real popular app, it's just been kind of a slow, steady stream and hasn't there hasn't been the kind of funds that we could put into creating an Android version of Spirit Story Box. So, so it's not like anything against Android users at all. Sorry.
2: No, I mean and, and we have right we have we have the algorithm. We know the algorithm works, but building all of the other, you know, Android based structure around it is it's certainly something that Roger can do, but it's it's really out of his out of his wheelhouse right well,
1: now. I, I wouldn't want to do it any less than what the ios version is the ios version has a lot of things and apple makes it easy for me they have their own built-in um game engine called sprite kit and that's what's used for uh a spirit Storybox, and that makes it so i can make a really highly polished app but android doesn't have such a thing so i'd have to go to uh, a game engine i i don't want it to take up a lot of battery life i want it to be able to to uh fall asleep you know and do a screensaver all of the things that it on ios and i don't feel it's fair to give android users less than that so that's why i, I haven't been able to do it so far
0: well, that's understandable i you know i wouldn't want to deliver a subpar um uh, project on uh, just because it's on a different platform, I, I can I can appreciate that. Uh, but for those of you listening, all of you all already know that I've used Spirit Story Box uh, quite a bit, so I already this has my seal of approval. And you know, as Roger stated, lucky me, I am one of the beta testers. So hopefully, over the course of the next uh, month or so, I'm going to be geeking out a little bit about some of the things that I discover um, if all goes well. And, uh, hopefully tonight will be the first big leap into that. So I'm really looking forward to putting it to the test in the field.
2: Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. And you know how I always say, you know, just invite the spirits to speak, you know, introduce yourself. You're having a nice conversation. Just ask them to chime in and, um, and they will, they will.
0: You, uh, you put that into my head uh, pretty much since the first time that we met. And I, honestly, like your approach to doing this, these investigations is now very much my own. It's not antagonistic. It's um, uh, welcoming, reaching out, let's try to communicate. Because as I said uh, earlier this season, one of the steps moving forward for me is I no longer feel the need to prove anything to anyone for me now it's all about how do we actually communicate when words aren't necessarily the only way of communicating, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And, um, as we said earlier, um, before the show, we were chatting about, you know, some, uh, EVPs that we're going to send you. One of the ones that we're going to send you actually touches on that very fact. The, the EVP, I believe says, how did you hear me? So uh, we're starting to see that the, the spirits are kind of to take notice, you know, it's are They're trying so hard to talk to us, to tell us what they have to say. And I think so few people are listening. And so then when we do capture these and, you know, we're talking about it, we're thinking about it. I I think they're sort of incredulous. It's like, how did you hear me?
0: No, I love it when people who are on board are on board and, uh, you know,
1: you bring stuff the tours. You no, know, I love it when people who are on board are on board, and uh, you know, you bring stuff the tours. You. 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 Yeah, a lot of backstory on that one would probably be good if if you're interested. Absolutely. That that was the that was the kind of a little bit of a turning point i was down in florida um working on the app and jill um i know you've been john i know you've been on the ybor uh city ghost walk she was telling me you have to go on there and i'm like no, I don't want to go. You know, I was busy working on them. No, you have to go to this. Okay. It's like she basically drugged me to it. And it was one of these things where uh, it was just uh, Steve, the tour guide, Jill and I, we were lucky enough to have basically a private tour. And... We got to the, is it the Cuban club? It's the gym? Cuban
2: club. It's, yes, yeah, the okay. first floor basement area where Jaime is.
1: Yeah, and we were there. And um, so we were pretty spread out in that big room, that big uh, open area. The ball is a ballroom. Is that what it is? It used to be no, it's a where swimming pool. used to be. Yeah, yeah it used to be yes, a swimming yeah, pool. Yes, and yes I think exactly.
2: It's like a bocce court or softball kind of court.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. And Jill was was doing her uh, uh cat toy thing, which was having results, I might add. You know, something it was shocked, triggering. it
2: shocked Steve. He'd never seen anybody use a cat ball before and it lit right up.
0: I'm hooked on him now.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Which is crazy enough, but I'm kinda off on my own and um all of a sudden, get yeah, now I didn't know this at the time. Something actually said spirit stories like that. Something referenced my other app, our other app, not just mine, but um, actually said the name of the name of the app. And when I played that back, and you, you guys will get to hear it, it's it's. Uh, fairly buried, but it's still uh discernible When I heard that my you know that later, my jaw dropped. I'm like... Okay, we didn't we never told Steve. I don't even think Steve still knows that we created the no, Spirit, Spirit Story Box.
2: He is, no, I've never no. talked to him about that.
1: We never told him we created Spirit Story Box. So, and it's a it really sounds like a male voice to me. Jill was off and and Steve was off and then we get that. But then the other one was uh, he was talking, Steve was talking later, like, you bring things to the tour, you know? He was, like, really excited that we participated so much in the tour, you know? And as he was saying that, uh, there's a voice that said, says, how did you hear me?
0: No, I love it when people who are on board are on board. And... uh You know, you bring stuff
1: the tools. No, I love it when people who are on board are on board, and uh, you know, you bring stuff the tools. You you bring. you 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 bring. You bring. And that's like a class A. Now it is a female voice. Does it kind of sound a little bit like Jill? Maybe, but I didn't. I would have heard that at the time. I would have answered it at the time. That's why we didn't really put it in the Kickstarter video. But I really don't think that was Jill. I think it either was a mimic. No, or- I didn't.
2: I didn't say that. But I have a theory. I have some. I have, I have a cool theory. Some things I learned about the Cuban Club since you and I were there, John. So the Cuban Club, um, of, of it was just such an important club for for all the the local immigrants. And um, in, in the early nineteen twenties, there was actually a very famous Cuban immigrant, uh, Desi Arnaz, and. My hometown is where Lucille Ball grew up, and there now is the the Lucille Ball Museum. It's in Jamestown, New York. I tried so hard to find photographic evidence that Lucy and Desi were in the Cuban club. I was unable to find that, but Desi went to high school probably about maybe a 45-minute drive away from downtown Tampa. His parents, when he uh, when he left Cuba, he did go to high school in southern Florida. So I started thinking, oh my gosh, there's this really, really cool kind of link between you know my hometown and upstate New York and uh in the Cuban club. When we went through Steve's photos, he does have a photo that a guest captured, and it is a, a woman and um and a younger child, I think it's a daughter. And they're very, very clearly standing against the wall uh, in that basement area. And from what the woman is wearing, it looks very sort of 1950s, which would have also been kind of the heyday of of Lucille Ball and, um, and Desi Arnaz. So I just, you know, have this feeling that, you know, it would be really cool if he actually, you know, knew some people from upstate Western New York and and I think we all kind of sound the same. I think we all have kind of this Great Lake sort of accent. But um, I thought that was that was really cool. And then just to kind of um, back up what Roger was saying, when it said "spirit stories," not only does that reference Spirit Story Box, but we ran an ad campaign, and that was almost the direct language. In fact, I voiced it in the ad video. I said, "The spirits are telling their stories." So, I mean, you couldn't have plucked anything out of our playbook any more clearly to, you know, let us know that this was directed at us.
0: Right. Uh, It certainly sounds that way. Uh, I mean, when you get the one-two punch like that, then you kind of stop questioning. I mean, you get spirit stories and then I can't wait to hear that one. Like, how did you hear me? That just sends chills down my spine. Also makes me very, very excited for more direct interaction with this, which is something that I do think is possible with, uh, you know, proper equipment, proper technology, and the proper mental attitude walking into these things. And hopefully, this app is going to bridge a little bit of that gap. Um, I personally am really looking forward to it. I, I did want to ask really quick. So, like regarding. I, we're not going to go too far into the details about uh, what this was modeled after, but Roger, maybe you can answer this one for me. It's something that's been bugging me for a bit. Is there something about uh, being stuck in like that that mid band in in the EQ settings, which uh, which this app does? It kind of compacts everything into the mids. Is there something to that regarding uh, EVP's is it, is it more focused in that range and not necessarily just with the app or other technology but in general?
1: Um I I I have wondered that myself. I have my own theories. Um that is definitely part of the characteristic of this um device and that is that It uh, it does eight thousand samples per second, and if you know anything about digital recording, you know that half of that, which is uh, that the the frequency, the top end frequency range, is half of that. So it would be four thousand hertz is the 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 high end of that. Now there are uh, certainly some aspects to this too. Um, that anybody who knows anything about uh, digital uh, signal processing will immediately guess. Um, But, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, That has a big part of it. Now, a lot of people will say, okay, that's it. That's exactly it, you know, just 8,000 samples per second. That's the reason that it does it. And um, I kind of like to talk about our algorithm as a recipe, you know, uh, if you'll indulge me a little bit. Of course. If I'm making a, if I'm making a latte, you know, uh, and I serve this latte to somebody, and they, they like it, and they say, what coffee did you use? And I say, Starbucks. Uh, that's the reason that it's a good latte, because you use Starbucks coffee. Um, I, myself, and, and you being a chef, know that there are lots of factors to it. You know, it's like, the which roast did you use? Um, how finely is it ground is a huge part of it. Um, what kind of milk did you use? How long um, did you extract did you it? for? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. argue
2: about I mean, extraction times.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jill, Jill can attest to how um, picky I am about my lattes. You know about me doing it myself. Same here. And I, I actually I steam the milk to sixty five degrees Celsius. Um, why Celsius? Because James Hoffman if you guys know who James Hoffman is does it at 65 degrees celsius and it works you know but there are all of these factors that factor in so is bit rate a significant factor yes i think it is and i have theories why that is but it's a lot of other factors too that just so happen to come together with this particular device that i think make it particularly suitable for cap- capturing evps
0: well without uh without giving too much away can we talk about some of those other aspects that make it such a successful uh, uh piece of of technology
1: yeah um you know I, I i won't give too many of the ingredients away obviously bit bit rate is um is a dead giveaway. Cause you know, you're going to look at the file and see that it's eight, 8,000, you know, uh, samples per second. Um, but there are other things like, uh, uh, voice act, uh, activate- the, the, they have a spe- specific term. It's a uh,
0: voice activated system.
1: Yes. Yes. That's going to be another tell about what we're talking about too. Um, this is a uh, voice, it, it is essentially uh, voice activity detection. If you were to do search for how to do this, you would find uh, paper after paper on voice activity detection. That's essentially what it is. It's ch- uh, uh, detecting a human voice. Um, that there is a way that they did voice activity detection and called it voice activated system that i believe also contributes to it too and when i was researching the way to do it for my app i had to do it in a 90s way and not in a modern way because that's how they did it in the 90s since then we've we've uh, developed different algorithms and they're even starting to use artificial intelligence to know when a, a human is speaking. But
0: It's yeah. not terrifying. Those, those are
1: a couple of things, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really hard to talk about the specifics without giving away everything about it. Yeah. Say, just say, say no say more. People, we, yeah. we don't
0: have to dig too far into that, but I just, okay. um, I personally find it fascinating because, as you know, I'm a bit of a tech guy myself, and and so I love doing the research on all these things and and how they function. And as somebody who has used uh, the held in hand artifact that we're referencing, and also used the app, I'm fascinated uh, with this, and I am uh, so far I'm blown away. As I said, I've I've only had like a couple little tidbits here and there, and I really think that has to do a lot with where I was and who I was with. Um, but the like yeah. it's there. It's it is there, and yeah. I can't wait to really dig into this.
1: Yeah, we'll get to file kind of, ten tonight. I hope so too. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it'll be file, file fifty-one
0: at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos to you for giving it tests. You know, we can actually see how many sessions a person has done. And I looked at yours and I'm like, Oh my God, he's using that out of time. No, can, you
0: know? can, 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 like, are you to able you. to, are you able to listen to all the ones that I'm doing? Are you, do you have no, access no, to those? I can't. I, I
1: can't. Okay. I don't have access to the files. It just tells me how many sessions you've done. And we're like, Whoa,
0: <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, he's using it. So guys, like, yeah, thank guys, you. no joke. Anytime I'm alone for five minutes and things are quiet. I immediately whip it out. I'm like, "Anybody nice. here? Anybody have anything to say?" Nice. I, it's, I'm chomping you know, at the bit.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, I'll, I'll kind of tie up what I was saying is that here, this this recorder, the original recorder, it was just meant to be a piece of office equipment, you know, and it was uh, it was a product of the '90s. Uh, memory was expensive and so it had to um store things very neatly you know like like very efficiently and things like that it is very much a product of the the age in which it was created and yet everything seemed to have come together and you know i have my theories about evps anyway and um I don't know how far you want to go into the weeds here, but, um, you know, there's a fellow by the name of uh, Douglas Hoffman. Is that his name, Jill?
2: I'm not sure who. Uh,
1: Douglas Hoffman. Um, um, he did a famous TED Talk, why you can't see, why humans can't see reality as it really is.
2: Oh 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 yeah! I, I gave um I showed John that book when he was here.
0: Yeah, it's on my yeah. it's on my list.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So basically, he gives this really um, specific example of these beetles who who you know depended on their coloring to f- find a mate, and then there was a specific beer bottle. Was this in Australia, Joe?
2: I can't remember all the details
1: now. I think it was in Australia that so happened to have that same iridescence and it had bumps. And then all of a sudden, these beetles were flocking to this bottle when somebody would throw a bottle out and they weren't finding a mate. They thought that mate was a bottle. And basically, his hypothesis is that we, uh, you know, uh, organisms are only, are not evolved to see reality as it really is, they're kind of streamlined, and Jill being the biology biologist can, can speak about this, they're streamlined to see reality in a way that fits their survival. So he gave an almost 0% chance that we see reality as it really is. So my theory is that these uh, spirits are all around us all the time we are not evolved to see it and and as it really is and it just so happens that this combination of elements in this recorder actually can see that aspect just because of the combination of them that's my fear at least
0: I think that's a good one, and it's one that I personally really do stick behind, especially in the last year or so, I've really kind of leaned into that theory in particular, is that all of these things, they've always been there. And and for me, listeners, at this point, I know you're tired of me saying it, for me, the paranormal term is an umbrella for all sorts of things. And all of these things very well may have been existing alongside us the entire time, but our ability to perceive the whole of reality. I mean, hell, you bring up our Buckminster Fuller. We already know that we can't even see the full scope of the electromagnetic spectrum. Who knows what's floating around us right now, you know?
1: Right, right. And there was something I saw recently where there were scientists doing experiments with, um, with infrared lasers, which they should not have been able to see. And yet, these scientists were reporting that they were seeing these infrared lasers. And what was weird about it was that they were seeing it, seeing them as green. So they actually started to get to the bottom of this, and they shined these infrared lasers in their eyes. And some of them could see it, but it was half the frequency of what the the infrared was, which falls into the green spectrum. So
0: it's only that one part of the spectrum. Yeah.
1: Right. So there are times that things, you know, we can't really hear them. Is all of this stuff going, you know, ultrasonic, you know, Um, and then sometimes it comes back into our spectrum.
0: Agreed. And I I honestly do think, and and Jill, you've heard me ramble on about this numerous times, I do actually think we're kind of approaching a new step in human evolution. And that next step is not going to be one of growing a tail or wings. It's going to be one of the conscious mind. And through that, I personally believe that through technology, through consciousness studies, and through um, uh, more exploratory... uh, Yeah. Exploratory consciousness studies. I think we're actually going to start to be able to tap into these things a little bit easier. Um, so finding the balance between, uh, spirituality, consciousness studies and technology, I think is going to be, um, kind of the direction that we're going to go in. And I, I think the proper technology will help us achieve that point faster.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. And, you know, you and I have spoken too about all the big monies into consciousness right now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we can tell you without a doubt that consciousness interacts at some type of level with our computing devices. And, you know, these EVPs that we were just discussing, I mean, they're actually proof of that, right? Because if, if you're just speaking with say an isolated spirit this is just a dead person and they're operating sort of in a sandbox that's kind of how we talk about apps apps on phones work in sandboxes you know they're they're in their little their little bin they're not reaching out and getting into other parts of your phone so if spirits were like that they would only be able to tell you via evps of their own experience their own lives So when a spirit says something that has something to do with me or Roger or you or an ad campaign that we did or anything in the past, that says to me that they're not sandboxed anymore. They somehow are able to access like the Akasha records or whatever this global consciousness is where all knowledge, all things reside. And they've been able to go right there and pluck this one thing. Like, oh, I'm going to try to figure out what could I say to Jill and Roger in two words that would, you know, let them know that I'm speaking directly to them. And those are the two words that they that they pulled. And it's like, oh, and I'm going to kind of imitate Jill's voice while I'm at it. (laughs) So so it seems to me that, you know. You know, we see we get so many EVPs and I, you know, yeah, they're really amazing and we really love them. But I think sometimes people don't actually think about this evidence, this this evidence of the afterlife and what it is telling us because you know a lot of times they are they're telling about their lives or they're sending out some type of a a distress call, you know, through the ether. You know, it's just, you know, something that happened to them and, you know, at a moment of great distress and that's just kind of reverberating in the in the ether. Because when we get these ones, there are a message like that. It's not just their independent experience. They're actually accessing the host of, of all knowledge. And, and when we're there, you know, we're into global consciousness and that, you know, implies an awareness that is, that is far beyond, you know, just some dead person sort of, you know, just mumbling in the dark to you.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and all of these, it's going to take small steps for us to really get to the point that we can all see the bigger picture, but you're right. Yeah. You know, all the money's on consciousness right now. And, and, Uh, you know, using y'all's previous app, spirit story box, I can, I can attest to that. Like consciousness plays a huge part in the use of these things. And, um, which, which is why I'm so very eager to put this to use tonight because we're actually having a nice little meditation session before we get started. We're going to clear our minds. We're going to try to like hone in on it. We think we know who we're talking to, so we're going to reach out to them directly and we're going to see what happens. Yeah.
2: Very interesting.
0: You know,
1: um, J- Jill touched on, you know, the spirits trying hard to communicate with us. Um, I kind of wonder partly, too, is if, okay, you've got this creator of the this device in front of you. You're, you're a spirit. And you get got this creator of this device in front of you, this app. Aren't you really going to try to make him know that it works, you know, like, this works. You know, if they had said this works like that that would be that would be a little hokey, but you know, sometimes <laughs> I really really think they're trying hard because I I am the creator of this thing to tell me that it works and I'll, I'll tell you another story about that. And that was um when I created Spirit Story Box. And at one point, I decided to turn it on at work. This is when I was working at Indiana University. And um, and all of a sudden, I looked down at the needle and doggone it. If I didn't, like I got the RGB values wrong, it's, it stands for red, green, and blue. And obviously, I should have put the value in the red category to make it a red needle. then I put it in the blue channel, and it's a blue needle. And I'm like, crap, it's blue. And then Spirit Storybox said, blue. Like, whoa. And there were very few words in the database at the time. And they were all emotion words. And blue, why I put blue in there is because it's like, I'm blue. You know, I'm, I'm sad. I'm feeling de- uh, uh, depressed or whatever. So that's why it was in there. There were very few. And so it said that. And I'm like, whoa. And then uh, I I had it on. And the guy next to me, it's like a cubicle farm. So everybody could hear what everybody is saying. the guy next to me uh, was uh, on the phone with somebody and, He's like, well, I tried to do this. He's like trying to, you know, it's one of those calls that he had to uh, customer service. Well, I tried to do this and I couldn't. And it said, uh, Spirit Storybox says frustrated. And then he said, well, I'm I'm sorry. I don't know what more I could have done. And then it said apologetic. It's like listening in on his conversation and commenting to me and I'm like, Whoa, whoa! There, there, there may be something to this, you know. That that was very on early on in the the um, development of Spirit Storybox, you know. It's but it's almost like, hey, I'm going to show you. I can, you know.
2: Roger is mean, a brilliant creator, but he doesn't have the confidence in his creation sometimes, which is why I dragged him to the Cuban Club because <laughs> he. He just, he, he's always seeking that validation. He won't tell you he's seeking that validation, but he is. And he always, you know, you're always so afraid that, you know, your children are going to embarrass you in in public. And, um, and it, you know, it always performs, it's performed really, really well for us.
0: Oh, and and many others. Whenever we,
2: whenever we've been put on the spot, um, But the one, the very first thing that I heard Spirit Storybox say that really kind of creeps me out. um, I don't know if you're a big Isaac Asimov fan and huge. um, You you know, because we're talking about consciousness and we're talking about artificial intelligence. And Asimov, you know, he was, you know, way ahead of his time because, you know, he was doing the rules for robots and that. Well, when the whole app was put together and the algorithm was loaded, one of the first things that it said was Billy dreams. Now, I don't know if you remember Ooh. the particular my story, but I mean, that, I mean, that just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Like, you know, do, do robots dream, do, do machines dream when they're turned off
1: mm-hmm. and, do and we that stream of electric, electric sheep.
2: Yes. <laughs> So if it, if it had said any more than just Billy dreams, but yeah, so there's, there's definitely consciousnesses there that are interacting, you know, where they come from. Um, Sometimes I even think that, you know, particularly if we're getting um, mimics, I think we're picking up on living consciousness as well as, as crossed over consciousness sometimes. I think that's why mediums have really good luck with, with spirit story box.
0: So do you think that might be more of like a, a projection of somebody's current consciousness? I think it can. I do. I do.
2: I do think that certain individuals completely unconsciously can be projecting their consciousness through a device because you know, the original Princeton Global Consciousness Project, that's that's how they figured, it. they figured it out, is they would put people in front of computers and they'd say, okay, you're going to see a stream of numbers. We want you to interact, you know, think about changing the stream of those numbers, you know, make them less random. And people were able to do that. Now, that's people able to do it with a living consciousness. And I kind of wonder if... Um, you know we have the ability you know, because we we've seen that and it typically seems to be more people who have mediumistic abilities who i think there's something man i i just i wish we could get to the bottom of this because there's something that is actually happening in the brains of people who have mediumistic capabilities there's something very very different either it's there and it's just been turned on you know maybe something that we all have we just don't know how to access that
0: that's what it is, I think, personally. But there,
2: there, there is yeah. something there. And, and you know, some of the latest studies now are, are talking about, you know, they think that, you know, our brains are the original quantum computers. That, you know, in these spaces between the neurons, we are actually doing quantum mechanics. There's, there's a lot of quantum stuff going on there. So, well, it's, and, and I mean, it's know, all fascinating.
1: And, you know, John, you just talked about the next stage of evolution and growing a tail, you know, kind of jokingly. But um who hasn't had like if you have if you've ever had a cat, you know what freaky animals they are. Because all of a sudden a cat will just jump up and it look around and you know at that haunted house there was this uh creepy picture that my son's girlfriend did and Pat went up and started pawing at it. You know, um, it was creepy. I mean, I think, I think cats and and dogs and animals can see the spirit world better than we can. I think
0: that's they're evolved to see that yeah I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Uh, I mean, we already know that they just their field of vision alone is far more advanced than ours. They're already seeing things uh, at, at different levels that we couldn't even possibly comprehend. But this also gives me an opportunity to give me one to throw out one of my favorite movie quotes of all time from Constantine. Cats. Perfect. They're half in, half out anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> they are. Yeah. So much cat energy. Yeah. There's, a lot, cat cat energy. there's <laughs> a lot of cat energy. <laughs> there's a lot of cat
2: energy. But cats do see into the ultraviolet. violet They see a little bit more into those shorter frequencies, whereas dogs tend to see more into the infrared, into the longer frequencies. And, um, and, and, you know, and who knows for, for all we know, bats could be hearing things that, you know, right? <laughs> that, you know, no one has, no one has studied that because, you know, they echolocate at such a incredibly high frequency that obviously can hear that frequency. And, and my favorite example, um, of, of biologists kind of, you know, we all have this, we all have this, this human bias that we put on everything. And, um, for just until, I don't know, when, did, when was this? Maybe the past 10 years. Scientists used to think that elephants didn't make noise. You know, they would oh, trumpet yeah. and they would do things like that, but they were completely unaware that there was any other vocalizations going on. And then they listened with the appropriate equipment, and elephants are incredibly vocal, but their, their vocalizations are at a very, very, very low frequency, which works for the elephants really well because it travels across, you know, great distances, you know, in the savanna to be able to communicate with, with other elef- elephants, but just because humans can't hear that you know, we just assume that it's not there. And then that's really kind of the hubris. I mean, I think that's what all of us comes down to is just because we can't see it, feel it, touch it. We assume it's not there, but I I am with you, John. I believe that every niche is filled in biology. Every niche is filled. Absolutely. Everything has a purpose and an interaction. And I think that it's the same around us. I think we're, we have spirits. We have, who knows what kind of beings, are surrounding us on a continuous basis.
0: I would honestly say that some of the things that are popping up in our headlines over the last week are going to speak directly to that here in the upcoming future. I I really do. I think that's (laughs) where it's going, but that's a whole other conversation that we'll, we'll save for, because man, we will be here all night if we get started on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's (laughs) Um, all related. (laughs) It is. Everything is connected. connected. It's all connected. Yeah. I, I think, Forest, I think at this point you should probably trademark that. Everything is connected. I can't. I can't do a forest. Uh, hopefully, he'll hear that somewhere down the line. Um, but no, I, I, I really do think that uh, a combination of all these things—the a technology, a pursuit, consciousness studies, and consciousness studies—and and a, just a much more open mind—all uh, of these things coming together—is what's going to help us not only understand the paranormal as a whole. It's going to help us understand the true nature of reality, the universe, and and our place in it the more we pursue it. And I commend you both for doing such a fantastic job with this app. Cannot wait to see what is going to come from it because I intend to use it in every type of setting you can possibly imagine. We have a very special trip planned to the desert. I'm not going to say where, but we're going to try it out there, and I can't wait to see what we get from that one.
1: (laughs) Me too.
2: Yeah, we're really excited about it. We're really excited about it. And like I said, this, this was sort of a, you know, a gift to the paranormal community, but we wanted it for ourselves. You know, we don't spend a lot of time on things unless it's something that we want in the world or that we want in our hands to use. And I've been using the heck out of the app and I'm telling you, I I just put the last of my digital recorders on on eBay. <laughs> I'm not, Did you I'm really? Not doing it, I'm not doing it the old school way anymore. Yes, I love them; are quite valuable now. The the old Sony's, yeah, they're going for sixty bucks <laughs> with a micro cassette.
0: Oh wow!
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and and this is just the start. I want to say. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna mess with the algorithm. Uh Jill would beat me to death if I did mess with the algorithm. The the one that works right now will always be in there. And if you if you set automatic gain control to zero, that's the algorithm. That is the original algorithm that we got these things with. And we're not gonna mess with it. Now if you it's a that said it's very sensitive, so it can clip a little uh if if you want to p- uh put automatic gain control on it that will keep it from being so hot you know so so sensitive um no no guarantees on how that affects the algorithm i just put it in there because the original has automatic gain control and it has a sensitivity setting and I wanted that to be in there. Uh, it could even help it because it's going to lift the low end, you know, the, the low volume uh, uh, a recording, part of the recording. And it's going to rain the, the high volume down. So if you put it all the way on five, um, that's 100%. It should kind of bring that in. Again, no guarantees what it does with it. But yeah, Jill will not let me touch the algorithm. But that said, that said, that will always be there. But I do have plans to do a lot of experimentation with this and find uh, other algorithms as well and include those in it. So this is just a start. And that's another good reason to, to... to invest in us too with, with the Kickstarter too, is because we're, we're committed to this. I've spent um, years of my life doing this. Um, I can't tell you all of the stuff that I had to learn to do this app. I had to learn so much about digital signal processing. There's some math that I never took in, in high school. I went all the way back through algebra one and two, first of all, I literally did like an, uh, a Udemy course just to get up to speed so that I could then tackle linear, linear algebra. And, you know, I never was uh, introduced to imaginary numbers or complex numbers, uh, but I had to with this for the foyer analysis and things like that. Um, so, Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, ro- yeah, roger Rogers, being he's been quite modest. He, I mean, we would have these conversations. I'm like, oh my God, you are so far over my head.
0: Just, well, it's, I, like, to, to be honest, Roger, you and I sat down for about 15, 20 minutes uh, just this last weekend over at MonsterFest, and you, you were kind enough to share quite a bit more that we're not going to talk about here on air. Um, but what I can say from my own point of view as a fellow tech guy and from what I discussed with Roger here... Holy crap, people! Please donate They're like, please like, jump on the Kickstarter. <laughs> you need this. I need this. Anybody who actually takes this stuff seriously and goes out in the field needs this. So uh, that that's that's my stamp seal of, of approval. And throughout the course of this, I mean, hopefully, here in a few months when I do my deep dive into the history of EVPs, we can have you two back on. Just to talk about that and yeah. how that progresses, yeah. but I, I got to tell you, it's you guys have done something truly amazing here, and I uh, uh, we're going to get you all the support that we possibly can, and you can better believe I am definitely going to be your first. Uh, your I will buy it I the really second itself. <laughs> uh,
2: thank you so much. I um,
1: really, really appreciate, appreciate that. that it so means much. A lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, that I being know. said, I also give my seal of approval on Spirit Storybox. If you guys are out there listening you haven't tried it and checked it out, please, it is absolutely worth it. Um, to be honest, ever since I started using that, started to leave some of my other toys in the case. I never even pull them out. So uh, take that for what it is.
1: <laughs> oh, well, we've I, got I always we've think got an, of yeah, these. We've... Oh, go ahead, Roger. Go ahead. No, oh, I you, was going to say
2: ahead. we have another one out there that's a little more gamified. If you're um, if you're a paranormal investigator, you can check out Paranormal Elements, in which it will keep track for you of the different phenomena that you experience, and then you can pitch your right. score against your friends.
0: I will share mine, yeah. as a matter of fact, on the show notes <laughs> for this episode because I'm I'm still filling nice. mine out.
1: <laughs> one of the things about Spirit Story Box and And um, I think this is true for a number of tools is that it can be one piece of evidence. Like, is it, is the evidence in spirit story box absolute? Sometimes it it really has an uncanny um, correlation with what's going on with what you're asking and, and things like that. Sometimes it's something else that you have, you know, uh, that you're doing, maybe an EVP or, or maybe a REM pod hit or something like that. So it starts getting chatty, and then you get REM pod hits too. Um, uh, Spirit Storybox doesn't have any kind of electromagnetic uh, uh, waves that it's sending out, so it's not going to affect your, your REM pod. But, you know, this kind of also goes back to my very first EVP, And that was, you know, I'm living in this haunted house. And and when I say haunted house, you know, people picture an old house. Lots of people died in it, things like that. This was not like that at all. It was the model home, and it had been uh, basically a two-person-owned house, and nobody had died in it. So it really fascinated me that, that I was getting so much paranormal activity. Um, but so I started thinking about all of this stuff and I learned about the shack hack. You know, are you familiar with the shack hack, John or the it's a it was a radio shack uh, um yeah, radio that It's like you a could precursor
2: modify. of the, Yeah, a spirit box.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. That you could modify so that it would keep skipping channels when you when you pushed it. So I'm I'm afraid to do an EVP session in my house. I had never done one because I had to live there and I lived alone, with the exception of my cat at the time. Um, so I was scared as crap to do this because you know once you let that genie out of the bottle, it's out. You oh know, yeah. Like. If some if something answers you, you know, all of a sudden you're living in a haunted house. There's no no doubt that you're living in a haunted house. So I had this shack hack and I had an earphone in my ear. So it's giving me little snippets like a like a spirit box does, sb 7 And all of a sudden it said, missing child. And uh I'm like, okay. So I'm asking questions based on what it's telling me. And I said, what is the name of the missing child? And there was a pause, and when I played it back, it said, I was a friend of his. Not in direct answer, but it was a class A EVP, and I'll send you that EVP as well. What is the name of the missing child?
0: Oh, fascinating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was my very first EVP and it was in my house. It was at three in three o'clock in the daytime because I was too afraid to do it at night. But yeah, at that point, I'm like, the house is haunted. Okay. You know, it's not all in our imagination. The cabinet doors didn't just open on their own. This this, this, this. is all the stuff that you want to, say that oh, it could have been you know
0: it was the wind
1: what was it <laughs> oh you know it's a bad piece of pudding what was it fruit <laughs> says and it was a, i <laughs>
0: It was it was a bad fry or a bad chip <laughs> bad piece of fish yeah 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 it's not we all know that at this point
1: there uh, there are people who know charles dickens who are screaming at your podcast right now
0: i'm sure yeah, I know and let them scream. Uh they will go unanswered. Uh it, I I pay no attention to the comments. I'm not here for them. I'm here for me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this uh guys, this has been such a fascinating conversation and I'm I'm hoping that um throughout the course of the next few months, like I said, we're going to be tackling the history of EVPs. Would love to have you two back on for that. But as the Kickstarter progresses, uh, you know, I would like to keep my audience updated with how it's going, the things that I pick up. Um, Anytime you two want to come on and talk about this, you have an open door policy. Jill already knows this. Roger, you got it too. Call me up anytime. Um, Y'all are welcome.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We, We really,
0: really appreciate your support. Are you can. I appreciate being part of the beta testing team. I'm thanking <laughs> you. Like It's so much fun. I cannot wait to put this thing to work.
2: I I, I will tell you um, off the air who else has downloaded the beta testing version. So we're, we're getting some really interesting people that I can't wait to hear back from.
0: Awesome. Okay. Yeah. We'll save that for after I hit re- stop recording. Uh, but before we wrap this up, Um, So uh, Kickstarter, is it okay if I mention the name of the app, or is that going to change? Do you want to leave that?
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the the app will remain the same.
0: Okay. So once again, uh, Jill, Roger, creators of the ER70 app, which I am playing around with right now and thoroughly enjoying, I cannot thank you both enough so much for your time, for coming on here to talk about this. Uh, As I stated, I think it's going to be a huge leap forward Uh, for investigators and i can't wait to see how it turns out um i'll be sure to have all of the kickstarter info uh on the show notes is there anything else we would like to share with my audience
2: um we'll send you all the evps that we chatted about and um and any other um links we'll spend links to the spirit story box and any other information how to contact us all of it Mm -hmm.
0: all right guys This has been so much fun. Jill, uh, we will hear from you very soon. Uh, You'll be back on the show as we finally tackle our uh, Floridian escapades from back in January. That's coming up here in about a month. Roger, I hopefully will have you back on soon as well to see how the progress of this is going and also for our history of EVPs. As I said, y'all are welcome to join on that. And, uh, you know, plus you two have been doing this way longer than me. So the input is greatly appreciated.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Anytime, guys. We'll talk to you soon. I'd like to thank Jill and Roger for taking the time to talk with us about the ER70 app. In the show notes, you'll find links to the Kickstarter as well as other sites mentioned in the interview. Over the next few episodes, I will have some updates regarding this app as I use it in the field during the beta testing phase. If I get any Class A EVPs, I'll be sure to share those as well. Now whether or not you are in a position to contribute to the Kickstarter, please take the time at least to check out the page and accompanying video and share it with other investigators and enthusiasts. Join us again in two weeks when Sonny returns to review the very first paranormal investigation we ever went on, Edwards Road in North Carolina. And I promise, yes, that's actually the next episode that's coming. In the meantime, if you're craving more XV Planis, consider donating to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash where you'll gain access to our exclusive content. There's a whole other separate series on there, as well as extended interviews, exclusive episodes with special guests, and much more. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere as XV Planis, and you can follow my personal misadventures and music projects at Folds and Floods on those same platforms. Links for both are in the show notes as well. If you like what we do here, head on over to iTunes or Spotify to rate and especially review us. And tell your friends about us. Tell your families about us. Hell, yell at random people at the bus stop about us. We are a DIY independent production, and the only way that we will grow is by you sharing us with others who might enjoy taking this trip into the rabbit hole. Be sure to check out all of the great shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network, like Ad Hoc History, Administrism, Unearthing Paranormalcy, and more. While the website isn't fully up to date yet, you can go to www.greenmushroomproject.com and add that to your bookmarks to keep up with the network in the future. The show is produced in the Black Lodge, wherever and whenever that resides in this moment of time and space, and is written, edited, and scored by yours truly. Music from the show can be found on my Bandcamp page for Folds and Floods or anywhere you stream your music. High praise and thanks to Sonny and Rin for our updated logo, and many thanks to Meg, who manages most of our social media. No part of this show or its music may be reproduced without consent. Copyright Folds and Floods Productions. Once again, I am your host, Flood, and this has been XV Planis. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. I'll see you in the between. In abumbratio, in fluctus, sub velo.